Stillman, start your engines. Uh, you're coming out about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. And uh, just, you know, we continue on, right? <laughs> With this coronavirus ordeal, life goes on. And I want to change change things up a little bit. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that tonight. I, I'm honestly tired of it. There's still a little bit of it we've got to get to and we will, but I want to get into some other news uh, tonight. We've got a great show lined up for you. Randy Williams is here. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. He is a private investigator and he says he has solved the legendary Jack the Ripper case. And he wrote a book about it and we're super excited to have him here he was with us, I think, a couple of years back, one of our most downloaded shows, and he's back with us tonight to talk about Jack the Ripper. Next week, filmmaker and researcher L.A. Marzulli is back with us. He was with us in our new segment last week for just a few minutes to talk about being banned from the video platform Vimeo, but next week he's with us for the, the whole guest segment, which is usually 45 minutes to an hour. And he'll be here to talk about his latest film. Maybe we'll get some more about the, <laughs> the latest on what Vimeo is doing. Uh, I have to tell you, a lot, there's a lot of censorship going on right now online. I am hearing from more and more people that are there. You know, normally they don't get anything taken off of Facebook, but more and more things are being taken down from Facebook, specifically related to this coronavirus, to this COVID-19. If you put up anything that goes against the narrative, uh, there was a, a doctor that had come out and said, uh, from, from Europe, I believe from Sweden, uh, an expert had come out and said that uh, the lockdown was a mistake. We needed to let people circulate in the community and we would have developed a herd immunity and that would have been a better scenario. Uh, now his article, his video is down. Uh, anything that goes against the narrative is being taken down. I don't know if this has happened to you. Any of you listening, I'd love to hear your stories. Uh, feel free to uh, email me, but it certainly happened to me. Uh, in particular, one thing they do not like is if you say that you had the virus early on in the season. Like in my own case, I believe I had it back in February. I really do. Now, I didn't get tested. I don't know that for a fact, but I had all of the symptoms. I was sick for two weeks. I really believe that I did have the virus back uh, the first week of February. Um, but there's a story that I saw uh, a couple days ago. They went into a South Florida neighborhood, Delray Beach, and they just did a random test of, I guess, one neighborhood in its entirety and uh, found out that a large percentage of the people there already had 
the coronavirus, the COVID-19. And they do this by uh, conducting what's called an antibody test, where they can test to see if you've had the virus in the past and you're now recovered. And uh, I think this is going to be the headline soon that most of us have already had this. <laughs> and what that's going to do then is really blow down to almost nothing the death rate percentage because right now all we can do is calculate the death rate percentage based on how many known cases there are and then how many deaths there are. And that known cases number creates this much smaller universe than probably in all reality exists when we factor in uh, the large number of people that I believe have already had COVID-19 uh, but just it was never identified. It, it was so early on. Uh, in fact, I think people may have had it as far back as November of last year. I really do. All right. Um, before we get into everything tonight, so much news to talk about, but one major announcement to make. And uh, I have to start by apologizing because so many people have been asking me about this. And, and honestly, uh, I think I announced in January that I was going to do this imminently. I, I then delayed it, and then, of course, COVID-19 hit and all of that. Uh, but my online business course is now available, and that is tonight's sponsor. So I'll kind of mix that in here with my announcement. Many years ago, uh, five, six years ago, I stopped teaching my online uh, business workshop. I'm not sure exactly why I did that. I think it was mostly that I wanted to move on and just focus on my online businesses but I am a, a lifelong learner. In fact, if you were to walk into my house right now, uh, my dining room table is a stack of about 20 books, no kidding, on internet business, on making money online. I am constantly looking into this topic and not just, you know, for myself, I'm very interested in it. I'm interested in all the different ways uh, to make money with my own online businesses and I've sort of put this together into a system. It's called VARS, V-A-R-S, which stands for Virtual Asset Retirement System. And the idea behind it is this. I think for many people today, they have missed out on a traditional retirement. The idea of building up a nest egg of $1 million to $2 million by saving a little bit of money each month. I don't think that's reality for most people. If you're 20 years old, maybe for you <laughs> or 30 years old. I think for most people, it's not going to happen that way. So if you can't save up your money to buy traditional assets, there is an alternative, and that is to create virtual assets. And what we're talking about are websites and blogs and videos and online courses that you can teach, uh, self-publishing, print books, Kindle books, audio books, all of the things that I'm doing to earn my living online, I'm teaching in this course. It is the VARS uh, training course, and you can get to it by going to VARStraining.com. And uh, it's just V like in Victor, A-R-S, like in Sam, VARStraining.com. And what I did was I went ahead and put up there for you uh, free uh, three lessons that are free. So I wanted to give people a chance to check it out for free to sort of kick the tires. And so I did that. I, I went ahead and published publicly for free the first three lessons in the class, just so you can see if it's for you or not. I'm really excited about it. Check it out. It's tonight's sponsor, VARS, V-A-R-S, VARStraining.com. Okay, tonight's big question. 
where should you invest money now? And I have to give my son credit for bringing this question to my attention. Uh, he is a young guy. He's about 28 years old. He's going to be 28 in a couple of weeks. And he's starting to save money and build up his own money uh, for the future. Uh, young executive uh, making the big bucks. And he's starting to build up money in his retirement plan and, and, and other places and wanted to know, you know, where would you put money right now? I mean, if you if you if you had some extra money, dad, where would you invest it? And so I've been thinking about that the last three days, you know, where I would put money now. And and everybody knows, of course, that listens to the show that I'm a big advocate of, of cryptocurrency. So I would say my number one recommendation would be uh, Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is, again, flirting with ten thousand uh, dollars for one Bitcoin. I think that's a tremendous opportunity. Um, but let me share with you a second opportunity that that's a little bit less speculative and might fit you a little bit better. And that would be buying real estate in either the state of Texas or the state of Florida. And I'm not kidding you. Um, I have gotten into this walking thing now since the COVID-19 shutdown. I'm now walking every day between three miles minimum and as much as six miles. And a lot of that is here in my neighborhood. So I'm kind of getting to see what's going on. And I'm not kidding you. Um, I live in a, a little section of Palm Coast, Florida, and we have a loop that goes around four streets and maybe in this loop in these four streets, I'm guessing maybe 350 homes. So this isn't like a super big part of town. It's a nice little quiet part of town. But in this little loop, uh, about 350 homes presently, no kidding. Um, I believe there is now like 10 houses under construction in some phase of construction uh, right now. And I have never since I've lived here, I've been living in this home now for over 10 years. I have never seen it like it is now. And, and so there's so many reasons we could talk about why real estate in Florida in particular is going to be a great opportunity. But the exodus from the big cities, I think, is really the headline that comes out of this whole COVID-19. So many people are trying to uh, get out of the big cities. And I think now with telecommuting, we're in a situation where people are going to be able to uh, move to Florida, move to Texas, and be able to keep that job that they have, that higher paying job. And this is, you know, just going to fuel the trend, which was already there. People moving out of the big cities, uh, moving into Florida in particular, but Texas is also very popular. I had heard that... Uh, uh, they're moving a, the major uh, Tesla operation, uh, Elon Musk from Southern California. Uh, they're going to be opening up a plant. Uh, I believe it's going to be in the Dallas area, if if I read that correctly. Uh, but I, I think buying property in Florida or Texas is a great way to go. And if you don't have a lot of money, let me give you a little idea here. One idea would be to just buy a vacant lot. And I'm not kidding you that right here in my neighborhood, where all of this action is going on with building, you can get a vacant lot uh, for still under $30,000, a buildable home lot for under $30,000. So even if you don't have $30,000 to buy a lot, you could go to the bank and get a loan, um, you know, put down 20%. Um, so you'd be financing uh, the difference, which would be about $24,000. And I mean, that monthly payment would be virtually nothing. I mean, uh, on $24,000 and uh, it would be a place maybe for you to build a home someday or 
uh, you know, to live in or maybe a home to build uh, to rent or just hold that piece of property as a, you know, speculation, you know, for down the road, five, 10 years down the road. I really, truly think that we're going to see uh, explosive uh, growth rates in the value of real estate uh, here in the state of Florida, especially these areas uh, like where I live, which have not been hit hard by COVID-19. These areas where you have the beaches, you have all of the access to the major cities, like we're an hour from Orlando and we're 45 minutes from Jacksonville. So we're, we're right there. We've got access to everything, but we're not like a busy big city um, that would ever have an issue with a pandemic. So I, I think cities like where I live in Flagler Beach uh, area, Palm Coast, Florida, are going to be uh, areas to look at. So just a couple of thoughts on that. Um, all right, back to coronavirus here. Um, I'm, I'm noticing here in Florida that less people are wearing masks, but I'm still sensing this kind of overwhelming dread. I, I can't put my finger on it, but it's people are not smiling at you anymore. It's like everyone is on edge. The, the best uh, comparison I can make is when we have a hurricane uh, closing in on us, this is how people tend to act. They're, they're, their mind is elsewhere. You don't get the smile back. You don't get the hello back. You don't get the wave. Um, people are sort of in their own little bubble and that is still going on. But I'm noticing less people wearing masks. One other strange thing, and, and I'm curious if this, if anybody else feels this way. I don't know why, but the days seem so much longer to me. And I've always wondered, you know, time is such a mystery, right? It's more a perception than reality. I mean, who knows what time really is? And uh, there's a lot of, you know, great science fiction there, right, to talk about time travel and all of that. But I don't know what it is. It seems like to me like a day is now like taking two days to go by. I, I don't know what that what that is. Uh, I'm trying to stay busy as busy as ever. And um, it just it just feels like the days are longer. Maybe that's just me. Um, one promising uh, piece of news is the uh, soup bar is back up at our local grocery store here, Publix. There was a lot of people speculating that the soup bar would be dead. Like that was it because of COVID-19. You could never go up to the soup bar. They've got a really neat little soup bar up there by the deli. And you walk up and you pick one of three size uh, soup bowls uh, to go to go containers and you can make up, you know, they've got four soups every day. Typically, one of those is is a chili that they offer, which I love. Um, and I love going up there, but they shut all that down for COVID-19. You could not go and serve yourself up a bowl of soup. Um, that's back up. They also reopened up the olive bar. I'm not a big olive guy. I'll buy the olives in the jar. But, uh, you know, these uh, this the olive bar, it's incredible what they charge for. You know, if you scoop out of the you know olive bar, they sell that by the pound and, and that's costly. But the olive bar is open as well. So I had read an article about Golden Corral, of course, the uh, legendary buffet, which I have not been to a Golden Corral in years. Um, but, you know, the Golden Corral apparently has they're reopening in, in many locations, but they're going to what they're calling cafeteria style, which is if you want uh, if you go up to the food bar. There's going to be somebody on the other side of the glass 
it's all glassed off now uh, with plexiglass and you'll be on, on one side of the glass and they're on the other side and you'll say, hey, uh, yes, please. Can I have a scoop of the mashed potatoes? Can I have a some gravy on that? Can I please have a, a chicken wing? Um, maybe that's good. Maybe you'll eat less because you'll be ashamed <laughs> to have to ask someone on the other side of the glass uh, to to serve you up more food. Um, you know, when you go up to the buffet and you've got that plate that you can barely get back to the table that's overflowing with food. I'm not sure how that is going to happen through the uh, cafeteria style. If any of us will have the audacity to uh, fill up a plate like that, uh, if somebody else is doing the work on the other side of the glass. Uh, so maybe part of their new business model will be to teach their their servers to kind of give you like a little bit of a look of shame. Like, really, you're back again for your fourth plate, maybe without saying it, but just to kind of give you that look. So you think, no, I can't go back up there again and face that that guy or that gal and ask them to fill up another plate for me. So it'll be interesting to see how businesses change and come out of this. Um, it, it is fascinating, though, to see the businesses, the organizations uh, that are just holding tough with their position that this is just something that is never going to go away. Uh, for example, the state of California shockingly announced this week that they are closing their entire state college and university system for the fall semester. And my wife and I, my wife graduated from Long Beach State uh, there in Southern California. And we were talking about this earlier this week and I mean, we're thinking, how much money is that going to cost the state of California? I mean, all of those teachers, all of those professors and tenured professors, I mean, all of those people are still on the payroll, presumably. All of those campuses still have to be maintained, presumably. Um, I guess they're going to offer some online options for people. But the physical campuses, imagine this, for the entire state college and university system for the state of California is closed down until January, until after Christmas. You know, I just, I don't know how they could know, like we're in May, right? How do they know that it's not going to be okay to come back to school in August? I, I don't know how they know that it, you know, it boggles the mind, even right here in this small town that I live in, which has had virtually no cases. I think we've had maybe 130 cases. They say we've had four deaths, but nothing has been happening recently, like for weeks in this small county that I live in, Flagler County, Florida, in northeast Florida. Well, they still here in Palm Coast, where I live, have a number of our city parks closed. They've canceled all the summer camps for the kids for the whole summer. Um, just bizarre. I, and I don't know why it absolutely, they say it's all about science. So you would ask them, well, where's the science behind that? Because in our County, we have virtually nothing happening, but yet they're closing everything. We even have some people talking about that. We won't uh, be putting our kids back to school in the fall. Now I know that's not going to happen here because our governor DeSantis, um, who I'm not a huge fan of, but um, I don't see him going along with that, with keeping the schools closed uh, for the fall semester and doing the online thing going into the fall. I mean, unless there's some type of a second wave or something, I just don't see that happening. All right. I put a new video up this week 
uh, on a free, write it down, a free television uh, service. So we've talked about on the show before many times the different online options you have, you know, like um, Sling TV, AT&T has a TV package, YouTube has a TV package, DirecTV has like an online uh, platform. So a lot of these TV packages are exciting for people because they can cancel cable TV and get into something like with AT&T, their television network, you can get into that for as little as 15 bucks. But like Sling TV, I think is still like 20 or $25. But this one I discovered and I did a big video on it this week is called Pluto TV. And I never heard about this. And I, I checked into it. It is completely free. It is a free television uh, network, and and there's actually several hundred channels. So, like, if you have the Roku device that I like, I have, or really any of the devices has the have this Pluto app. You install the app. You can even install it on your phone, which is cool. And you can scroll through there, and there's live news, there's live sports, there's movie channels, all kinds of cool stuff. And um, there's no cost to it at all. Now, they do have commercials, so that's how they're paying for this is through commercials, which is how TV used to work. It was paid for by commercials. I will never understand, honestly, people that have these cable packages where they're paying over $100 a month for these cable TV packages. Uh, Pluto TV is really cool, and I'm enjoying it. Honestly, I'm especially enjoying it on my smartphone. You know, if you find yourself out and about, you're stuck in a long line uh, or or in a waiting room, waiting uh, at a doctor's office or whatever, um, you could, you know, open this up on your phone and uh, pick a show to watch. And there there are thousands of like streaming options that are live. Uh, I'm sorry, there's thousands of of uh, on demand options. And then there are hundreds of streaming options that you can pick from. And it's kind of fun. You know, I haven't had cable TV here at the house in seven years now. And I've tried some of the other packages. At one time we had Sling TV. At one time we had Hulu that had the extra channels. Um, we had those two. They were fine, but you know, we just weren't using them to even justify the 20 or 25 bucks a month for those smaller packages. Uh, Pluto TV is a cool one and there's a neat video on it. It is linked at the homepage uh, over at christianmoney.com. Uh, you'll see that new video that I posted on Wednesday of this week. Uh, more and more censorship uh, online. And there is one bit of good news about this. Um, I'm seeing more and more news stories. I saw another one tonight that apparently Google is about to be hit with an antitrust lawsuit. I think probably in the next three or four months, we're going to see Google hit with an antitrust lawsuit and probably also Amazon hit with an antitrust lawsuit. Um, and obviously, depending on how the election goes, uh, you know, depending on that, it will probably determine how uh, either of those proceed. But but Google in particular, you know, ha there's a lot of issues with Google and uh, their algorithm and, and the things they favor and, and don't favor in their search results. They would like us to believe that it's all just organic search, that the most popular things organically will show up on their page one. But that's just not true. We all know that. And uh, there's a lot of manipulation. And and I think it makes a big difference uh, in, in the psychology of of Americans. I, I think when you go to Google as your search engine, which most of us do, uh, and you put in a phrase, 
what comes up there, you kind of look at that as being legitimate. Like the, these are the legitimate sources and uh, almost like using the public library, but it, you know, it's being manipulated and I'm glad to see this antitrust lawsuit against Google. I have mixed feelings on the Amazon uh, situation. I love Amazon. I'm like a huge consumer of Amazon, but then I read this story where allegedly what they were doing was, you know, when you buy something on Amazon, you might be buying from a third party seller. So you can sell your own products on Amazon and then they take a cut. Well, a lot of the things you buy in Amazon are from third party sellers. And so the allegation was one of the things they did, which is considered to be anti-competitive, is they had some of their own employees researching the sources of the third party resellers products. And then they were basically stealing the idea and selling it themselves and putting those third party resellers out of business. I don't know if it's true or not. That's one of the allegations. Um, and, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know what, if you're Amazon and you're making all that money, why do something like that? I mean, you're still getting a cut. Why, why do you have to be so greedy? I think uh, sometimes that is the ultimate uh, uh, downfall for a lot of these companies when they just they have to go that one extra step too far uh, that gets them in trouble. Uh, so stop that, Jeff Bezos. Otherwise, I, I, you know, I love Amazon. I, I'm, you know, Amazon, the truck is here every day. It's, it's like when I was growing up in Chicago, the ice cream guy would stop at my driveway. He didn't even I didn't have to be outside. He would stop at the driveway and ring the bell and know that I was going to find a quarter in the couch and come out there and buy uh, my favorite ice cream bar. So uh, the Amazon guy is here every day delivering something. This was interesting today in the news. A University of Chicago study estimates. Boy, this is hard to believe. They're estimating that 42 percent of the recent layoffs from the COVID-19 are going to result in permanent job losses. That what we're talking about is for every 10 people that got laid off during this crisis, that four of those people are not going back to work. Boy, I have a hard time believing that that number could be so high. But then on the other hand, I don't think we know the complete uh, damage toll of all of this until we try to reopen and, and see what businesses are going to be able to reopen or not. I, I really believe that a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot more than we know, will not be able to reopen, especially the small mom and pop businesses that have been shuttered for the last two months. And in some areas of the country uh, are looking at another two or three months of being shuttered. Um, this story was I don't know, surprised me because under Trump, I didn't think he would go along with something like this. And it just, you know, raises the question again, is our military, uh, are they there to defend the country or are they there as a social experiment? Uh, today, it was announced that the United States Navy has granted its first waiver for a transgender service member to serve under their preferred gender. So what that means is if you're in the Navy now, you get to decide what your gender is while you're serving. I guess regardless of what your gender really is, which I don't know, this to me is just as bizarre as the idea of, uh, you know, the young man that thinks he's a female uh, with all of the male parts being in the shower 
with the girls at the local high school. I, I, I don't know how this could possibly make any sense, especially in the military, that you could have a situation like this. Um, you know, and some people will say that I'm a hater because I'm saying this. Look, if you want to, you know, say you're female and you're actually male or vice versa, I have no problem with that. You you can do that. That's fine. But when you want to go into the shower with someone's daughter, because on that particular day, you believe you're a female, but you're actually a male, um, that's not OK. And I'm just not sure how you keep military discipline with this type of an idea where someone can decide their gender uh, and, and enlist in the military, you, you know, the, in the Navy in particular, in these closed quarters on these ships that you can be a male uh, that, that wants to be, uh, ident- you know, you want to identify as a female and serve on that ship as a female. I, I just don't see how that can happen. Uh, in all reality, and that Trump, you know, would be okay with this. I mean, obviously, he had to be okay with it uh, for this to go through. Maybe it's all about the upcoming election. Who knows? And then we'll close out our new segment with this. Uh, Puerto Rico is uh, adding a referendum to their November ballot, which is fascinating. Um, there is now larger than ever a move on the island of Puerto Rico uh, for them to become a state. Now, this is a non-binding referendum, which will basically be a poll of the residents of Puerto Rico, which, of course, is a U.S. territory, but not a state, asking the residents if they want to to go forward and to try to become a state. Now, this would have to be approved by Congress, but a referendum of more than 50 percent would sort of give some momentum towards that. Uh, boy, Um I, I'll tell you, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. And, uh, you know, the, the people there have certainly been through a lot, no doubt. Uh, but do we need another Illinois? <laughs> do we need another California? I mean, how much would it cost the American taxpayer here on the mainland uh, to bring them on as a state and all of that, you know, that that would entail? Uh, I'd like to put a price tag on it first before I weighed in. But uh, man, oh, man. Uh, it almost seems like they waited until they blew all their money and were in the worst possible shape financially uh, to now want to become a state and uh, basically get a gigantic bailout uh, as such. But we'll see what happens. All right. We'll take a one minute break. We'll be back after we refire the open with our special guest, Randy Williams, a private investigator who takes a fresh look at the legendary Jack the Ripper case. Stay tuned. We'll be back in one minute. 